This is perhaps going to be the weirdest, oddest Holy Week, uh, certainly the one uh, weirdest I've ever celebrated, and I've had some interesting ones. As we gather, we, we know traditionally we have the, the blessing of palms, and, and maybe uh, in some parishes they do a procession from some place to uh, into the church proper without a congregation, a large congregation. Anyway, we don't do that this year. On uh, Holy Thursday, we drop the washing of the feet, which, uh, again, without a congregation, it's, you can't do it anyway. But uh, with social distancing, that would be inappropriate. We don't do the procession of the Blessed Sacrament. We don't uh, stay in adoration after. We will, uh, Father Steffel and I will offer confessions, social distancing taken into consideration, of course. Good Friday, no congregation again. Easter Vigil, we've been asked not to do. That one hurts me the most. These all hurt. And so it's really easy, perhaps, for us to see ourselves with Jesus at the cross. Hopefully, in, in a good way. It's really easy to, to ask this year, where is Jesus Christ? But there's another place we, we need to, to perhaps focus too. Every year as we read this passion narrative, either today or St. John's version on, on Good Friday, keep asking my, I keep asking myself, Lord, if I had been there, I would never have betrayed you. And then I'm reminded the words of St. Peter. Lord, even if the rest fall away, I will never, even to my life, moments really in reality later, I do not know the man to the point of even swearing. See, we all, in the end, watch for ourselves. That is fallen human nature. And if you trace out uh, that fallenness, we see it beginning with the grasping of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil by Eve, the, the taking of it by Adam, who is with her. That grasping to be like God, though they had already been created God's image and likeness. We see that grasping as Cain kills Abel because he is jealous. We see that grasping again and again and again. We see it even as God was leading his people Israel out of Egypt into freedom. Our Jewish brothers and sisters will celebrate Passover on Wednesday of this week, and they remind themselves of that Passover, how God had asked them to take a lamb, to slaughter it, to put the, the, uh, the original, to put the blood on the lintels and doorposts of their, of their homes, how the angel of death passed over them, and yet, even as they were led into freedom, they kept grasping, Oh, let us go back to Egypt to our flesh pots. Let us go back to Egypt where we have plenty of food, plenty of water, plenty of, plenty of everything we could want. Cucumbers, melons, and leeks. Yeah, that one keeps sticking out in my mind. Let's grasp onto what we have instead of what God is providing. God provided for them. Maybe it wasn't uh, exciting food, certainly wasn't variable, 
quail and manna for 40 years. But God provided, and yet they grasped. And so when Moses was up on the mountain receiving the commandments, they grasped again. This God has abandoned us. Let us create a God in, uh, of our own. And we know the story. Aaron tells it best. Well, you know, Moses, we threw the gold into the, the furnace and I'll jump this idol. Yeah, right. And they worshipped and grasped. And this grasping continues. It continues all the way in, even into the passion narrative itself. As Christ was standing before Pilate, Pilate asked the crowd, do you want me to release the Christ or Barabbas? Give us Barabbas. In Luke's Gospel, Barabbas is called Alistes in Greek, a revolutionary, murderer, a highwayman, a bad man in all ways, shapes, and forms. He's certainly not living up to his name, which means son of the Father. And yet, the people grasp him. Give us this false one. Give us this murderer. Give us this killer. Give us this one who is a revolutionary against Rome. That's what we want. Give us the false son of the Father instead of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Crucify that one. Crucify him. Crucify him. I don't know about you, but I would have been crying crucify him too. But I also know something else. As Pilate asked and demonstrated that the blood of Jesus was not going to be on his hands, they cried, let his blood be on us and on our children. For once they weren't grasping, but they received. So often that passage is taken as a sentiment of anti-Semitism. St. Matthew doesn't record it to be anti-Semitic. He records it as prophecy. Just as the Israelites were told to take the lamb and put its blood on the lintels, we take the blood of the lamb of God and put it on ourselves and on our children. This year, we're not able to do that in a sacramental way, most of us, because it is the Eucharist. We don't grasp the Eucharist. It is God's gift to us. And so that's what hurts most about this social distancing and this time when uh, uh, attendance at Mass is uh, not allowed. That's what hurts most. But God is not bound by the sacraments. He binds himself to the sacraments, but he can work outside the sacraments. And so even though we're not celebrating the Holy, Holy Week in the traditional form, in, in the ways that are so familiar and accustomed to us, in a way from when I was four years old, moved, even in a four-year-old, moved to conversion, to understand at four years old that something important happened on Good Friday, that first Good Friday, that God can work even if we're not present 
at the liturgy. Let his blood be on us and on our children. No longer grasping for the falsities of this world, whatever the world offers, but rather grasping onto Jesus Christ, who, though in the form of God, did not deem equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, obedient even unto death on a cross, so that God would highly exalt him, and with him, all who come to him.